He who has learned the way of the sword and God's teachings, in accordance with our traditions, kept since the days of the progenitor, I shall now complete thy training with an oath to our mother birth. What is thy name? My name is Magnus. What? Is the date of thy birth? The date of my birth is Agua 22nd. Magnus Gallant, I ask thee, what dost thou hold within thy sword? I hold passion within my sword. What shalt thou sever with thy sword? With my sword, I will sever control. For what Shalt thou beseech the gods? I will beseech the gods for trust. What shalt thou offer the gods? I will offer the gods freedom. What dost thou wish for? I wish for serenity on this land. What shalt thou rid from this land? I will rid this land of chaos. Lastly, for whose help dost thou call upon? I call upon the serene water for help. Class is in session, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university founder, host, and producer over at Borderline Entertainment, the tactical master against ogres, Mr. Asa Green River. <laughs> How's it going, Asa? You know, I'm happy to be here, so I'm doing good. Thank you for having me, Scott. Of course. I'm glad we could finally do this. It, it was happenstance that we discovered we were both fond lovers of this game uh, over at the DualShockers Best uh, or what we would hypothetically want on an N64 classic. Yes. And uh, and this there, is the RPG that should have been bloomed. there. I What's, agree. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely over Paper Mario. Oh, absolutely. I have absolutely. way more fond memories of this game than I do of Paper Mario. There's there's enough Mario representation. I felt like, yeah, we needed to show give give Atlas some love. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> we are here to talk about Ogre Battle sixty four Persons of Lordly Caliber, initially released on July fourteenth, nineteen ninety nine, in Japan, and finally making its way over to North America on October seventh, two thousand, on the Nintendo sixty four. It would later be released on the Virtual Console for the Wii U. In, on January 26, 2010 in Japan. In North America, got it on March 29th, with Europe getting it for the very first time ever on March 26, 2010. So, yeah, t over 20 years, almost 21 years ago. Well, actually, just over 20 years for North America. Yeah, and I know that Nintendo, like, shut down the... Didn't they shut down the eShop for the Wii U? In some countries, it's still open for U.S. and I think Europe. I okay. think it's for some some smaller countries. Because um, this is one of those games that, yeah. as like as we were talking about it and like trying to to nail down this time to to go over, I'm like, oh man, I really want to play it again, and um, I can't find. I know that I ha I still have. It. I never traded it in, but I cannot mm -hmm. find my original copy. So seeing this, I'm like, I. I think I might go <laughs> plug in my Wii U or do you know if it's available on the 3DS? Because that no. I readily keep available. 
No, 3DS never got N64 games. I don't think it was powerful enough to do N64 emulation. Well, I guess I got to plug um, this bad boy back in because I want to go back to Ogre Battle 64. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. To get you listeners kind of minds back in the mindscape of the year 2000 of Y2K, here are some other games you might have been playing that same year. Diablo 2 release, a creation of Mr. David Brevik, who you may have heard on a previous episode of RPG University. The Sims, the original Deus Ex, Perfect Dark, which just actually got uh, an announcement of a brand new game at the Game Awards this year. Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Baldur's Gate 2, Shadows of Am, back when Bioware was really cool and good. <laughs> Banjo and Tooie, the original Counter-Strike, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, Final Fantasy 9, Metal Gear Ghost Babble, one of the games I preached heavily in Season 2 of That Nerdy Sites uh, Ultimate Video Game List Show. Give that a check out as well. Ooh. Persona 2 Eternal Punishment release, the second part of the Persona 2 duology. Hmm. Fortunately, we wouldn't get Persona 2 Innocence in it until the uh, PSP. Icewind Dale, Paper Mario 64, and Dark Cloud, to name a few. Kind of a, what kind a, of year. a heavy year. That's a, that's a stacked year because, like... Yeah. I'm looking at most of these games, and most of these games, I put so much time into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. Yeah, take me back to Y2K, because this is incredible. <laughs> uh, to be 12 again. Right. <laughs> I was I was 12 at the time. And, uh, yeah, this was a heavy, heavy year for video games. Uh, huge. I, I mean... I have, like you, like you said, I have so many fun memories of so many of these games, uh, like tied to my my childhood. I remember my brother getting Perfect Dark for his birthday that year. I remember opening up Majora's Mask on Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, There's so many just, of these games that I'm wondering how did I have t- like I was a kid. Yeah. I had school and bedtime and like how did i have time to play all these games obviously i didn't do it all in the year 2000 but holy cow yeah the the backlog grew quite considerably in the year 2000 <laughs> yes and it that's did. not speaking anything about the game we are here to talk about right, ogre right. battle 64 so asa kind of what's your history with ogre battle as a series and in particular 64 when did you first play this um, you know, I don't remember the exact year. I, I believe it was around the year that it came out. But so I was a huge Final Fantasy person. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I had my Christmas list. I do remember that I got it for Christmas. And I had asked for Final Fantasy. I actually didn't ask for Ogre Battle uh, 64. And, and this was the game that I got. And admittedly, I was a little saddened by it. Because, you know, like, as a kid, when you're really excited about something like... You, I remember I, I wanted Madden really bad one year, and I got, like, some offshoot football game, and I'm like, this is not it. Um, but this was one of those instances where it actually worked out to my favor because I remember playing it all Christmas break, and and honestly, for the longest time, I didn't know that, like, it had its own – because this is, like, the sixth installment or something like that. Like, there's a whole – Yeah, they went with the uh... – the whole Star Wars 
numbering system. Like the first ogre battle is actually like the fourth or fifth game. Yeah. Like there's like, there's so never many been a one through three. I had no idea, and I actually thought be, just because like some of the art. As a kid, I very distinctly remember thinking that this was like a, a sequel to. Um, oh darn! Now I can't remember the name. Tactics Ogre? No, not Tactics Ogre. It's like even more far fetched. Uh, Chrono Trigger. Oh okay. I thought this was like the Nintendo 64 version of Chrono Trigger. And looking back now, I'm like, what a dumb kid. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I had a lot of fun with it. It was really hard. I remember that mm-hmm. distinctively. It was really, really hard. Um, and it turns out, so my parents didn't buy it new. So maybe it wasn't 2000 when I got it. Because inside the box uh, was somebody's like folded up piece of notebook paper. That had mm-hmm. I, like just notes in there of like, hey, this thing happens here or this thing happens here. Watch out for this or you should pick this. Um, so it was almost like I had a little wiki in the box before like wikis were a thing. So that was pretty neat. Nice. And we'll go over this certainly as we go on. But this is one of those games here, really an entire series that you benefit greatly by having a guide of some sort too yes yes it's long Uh, complicated but so endearing yes um so had you played march of the black queen the super nintendo version prior to this no the only other game that i have ever played with ogre and it was tactics ogre and i don't even remember where and when i was when i had played that because i know i didn't own tactics ogre i played it at a friend's house but that's the mm-hmm. only other game in the ogre, you know, pantheon that I played. Yeah, it's uh which was Tactics Ogre conveniently made by the same guy that made Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. Oh, and Final Fantasy Tactics was so good. Oh, I just so good. those tactical RPGs mm-hmm. have just always stuck with me. Yeah. yeah. I really really love them. I I agree. What's I remember for this cuz when I was younger I actually wasn't big into RPGs. Uh okay. mostly because I had issues reading growing up. So I was a hooked on phonics kid. I went to reading therapy kind of stuff. I had a personal tutor to help me learn to read. So a lot of RPGs I didn't really blossom until more slightly later in my teens. Like I was just starting to really get into RPGs. I remember this Christmas I had gotten Final Fantasy Nine, but if, strangely enough, where you wanted Final Fantasy Nine and didn't get it, I didn't want Final Fantasy Nine. I instead wanted Gundam Battle Assault, <gasps> and I got Final Fantasy Nine instead. And looking back, that I just laugh at it. But my <laughs> brother had played March of the ba- Black Queen on okay. Super Nintendo. We had rented it, so okay. I knew of the series and our copy of Ogre Battle sixty four is is my brother's he had gotten it i think it was for christmas that year that it came out in 2000 so i remember vividly watching him play it a lot and i and i gave it a try too and i i played through and i enjoyed it but it probably wasn't until i went back to it on when it released on the wii u Mm -hmm. in 2010 that i really dove into it and fell in love with it because i had played taxes by that point i become much more of a fan of rpgs in general as a whole but also tactical rpgs is like so good right so getting to play this and 
seeing like playing as Magnus and the crazy characters and stuff you can do, the connections to the previous game, which I honestly didn't even realize until even later in uh, later in life. Yeah. But such, such a good game. Yeah, I will easily find myself going back to it. Like I said, I'm, I plan on plugging the Wii U back in and, and jumping into it. You know, like the last time I played it was on the 64. Mm-hmm. I think when it came out, you know, in the, in the eShop on the virtual console, that like, that was a time where I wasn't going back to old games very much. Um, it was just constantly picking up the next new thing, but now I've got the issue where I'll get a new game and then I'll just go back to old games. Um, yeah. maybe it's just like, I'm getting old and I just miss that nostalgia feel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I will definitely be going back and playing this. Uh, and let me tell you being the, save state kind of feature on the Wii U and being able to easily play it on via HDMI or just on the tablet controller is so, so nice. And it just continues to hurt that the switch doesn't have any sort of N64 game support. Right. Oh my Uh, gosh. I, yeah, that's a whole nother discussion, but I'm right there with you. Completely agree. So, what was kind of your go-to class or like what were your kind of some of your favorite characters or squad makeups in this game? Um, so I don't remember a, a, a ton of the specific squad mates, but I do remember picking Dragoon um, mm-hmm. for my class. Uh, and again, maybe it was just I was so naive as a child, but I was really into Legend of the Dragoon on the PlayStation one. And mm-hmm. I thought that it was that it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have like they do have dragon armor. Dragon armor is definitely a thing. And it was really cool. Um, And just the and every time you fought a dragon in um, Ogre Battle 64 was for me, it was really memorable. Um, But yes, Dragoon was the class that I knew that I had to have. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember I feel like it was probably a little bit later in the game. But I remember when I got Destin in my party. And I was so excited. <laughs> yeah. Destin, for those of you who haven't played the previous game or who haven't played uh, March of the Black Queen, the, the first Ogre Battle, he was your main character, your hero in that game. Okay, so this, yeah. Uh, Ogre Battle 64 takes place, I want to say, roughly 20 or so years after March of the Black Queen. So you can recruit a few of the big characters that are in that game. Right. Um, and some of the main characters from that game are still very important in uh, Lordly Caliber as well, which was a very cool throwback. Now this is really making me want to play Black Queen. Oh, yeah. That's a game you definitely need a guide for. Yeah. I After we had uh, talked about Ogre Battle uh, in the N64 Classic panel, I went back and started playing uh, March of the Black Queen because I really didn't, I remember it, but that was very much in the time period where I wasn't a reader and I didn't like RPGs, let alone tactical RPGs. Mm-hmm. So I, I went back and started playing it and I was like, oh, this is, this is so cool and they're so fun and it's such good sprite work. It yeah. still looks so good. Um, it's difficult, but so, so good. Do you remember what your alignment was? I didn't really care. Probably bad because I didn't. I was more focused on just leveling my characters. Okay. 
So I would level them and then beat weaker characters, which turned me towards the bad side of alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I often found myself going good. towards the, the chaotic alignment as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the other characters aside from Destin that I distinctly remember, I remember... I believe her name was Deneb. Like nothing was voiced, so I never know how there to. There was Debonair, is or there was Deben, Deneb, and Debonair. Deneb was like a witch. Yes, yes, the witch. I remember okay. the witch. Um, and so I had Deneb. I remember Saradin because I also used to pretend that Saradin was Gandalf. That's what I called him. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings person. Um, so Deneb, Saradin, and Destin were the ones that. I had to have with me and finding them was like getting them a part of my, my crew was, I just loved it so much. I remember Which trying is funny because Destin and Saradin were characters from March of the black queen. Oh my gosh. So I have to play this game. <laughs> yeah. And debonair, uh, the kind of soldier you end up working with throughout the game, uh, that is wears it purple and a sword, the He's long blonde in- hair. Yeah. Okay. He's also in March of the Black Queen. Are you kidding me? No. Oh my goodness. I feel like I feel like uh I don't even know what I'm talking about. And where can you play March of the Black Queen now? Uh your best bet is I think the PlayStation version isn't that expensive. Okay. Uh the Super Nintendo is fairly expensive okay. if you want to go that route um of co- and then there's other other means is it on like uh any like like the psn like a, can nope. i play it on the vita no nope oh my gosh okay never mind march of the black queen the uh edition on both of them are over a hundred dollars okay so never mind <laughs> <laughs> if you have a way, it looks like the Super Famicom version of March of the Black Queen is like you can get it for ten bucks. So if you have a way to like patch it so it's in English, you could play it that way. Okay. Um, but yeah, outside of emulation, uh, that would be your cheapest route. Otherwise, you're looking at over a hundred dollars easily. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, that's... which is a shame because. This is one of those series that now that originally these games were made by Studio Quest and then it was published by Atlas here in the States. But then Quest was kind of bought up by Square and Square's done nothing with these since the remake of Tactics Ogre yeah. for PSP, which is a shame because this is one of those series that it's definitely, I would say, a cult classic, mm-hmm. but it's so good and it could really stand a similar treatment like final fantasy legend is getting or the saga games or mana collection things like that do an ogre collection yeah yeah an ogre collection would sell really well i mean especially like we said before like the switch doesn't have any way to do 64 games right now no so making a collection like this and heck even bringing it to not just the switch but putting it on like putting it on playstation or even pc would be great Mm mm-hmm it's um, it's one of those, unfortunately, often forgotten in the scheme of um, 
RPG discussions, which is a shame. Yeah. But that's what we're here to to, to put our put a stop to. That's <laughs> why we're expanding your All Horizon listener to this fantastic game that you should just play the series. Yes. After just this after listening to this, everyone's gonna want to be a blue knight. It's true. Um but no, for me, like I loved Magnus. Granted, he's the main goody goody, uh, the main character of Persons of Lordly Caliber, Magnus Gallant. Gallant. Um, but I loved his blue hair. You gotta have blue hair, as Strong Bad would say. <laughs> um. But no, it, the interaction between all the characters in this game, from Magnus and Dio to. Uh, Prince Yumiel and mm-hmm. Magnus's relationship, and Magnus's relationship with his father, and yeah. this struggle that you go through. It this is so not a friendship will win the day. We just have to believe in the power of friendship, and everything will turn out right. Like right. these games and Lordly Caliber, it's a dark game. You're you see execution of prisoners. You see. Uh, people being tortured you have these situations where your character both you as a player and as Magnus is like you're being ordered by your military superior to pass judgment and follow these orders that are bad right we'll just say they're bad and then it's like contending with the military and then uh, the church of lotus and all these things that are going on while Magnus tries to do what's right for his country while also kind of keeping his humanity and keeping his childhood friend uh, safe. It's the, the complexity mm-hmm. of the story in this game is crazy considering it was in the year 2000. It was on uh, the Nintendo 64, which is not known for its RPGs. No. And uh, it's it's just so good, and it really, really holds up. And it's a story that's, like, it's so deep and intricate that I feel like we don't, we, we don't even see stories like that now that are that are that involved. Like, I think the, the closest series that we see that now is probably Fire Emblem, where there's just mm-hmm. so much going on. Like, I remember distinctively, like, um, when in the story, I mean, not to spoil it because I want people to play it, but, like, when Magnus decides to join the revolution mm-hmm. like that, I remember feeling that feeling and um, uh, like feeling the pull of like, cause you're, you're in the military Academy and, and promptly like wor- working for the military and feeling like you're fighting for what's right. And then leaving and then without diving like in, into every intricacies of the story, like coming back around to where now you're, you're fighting this entire empire yeah yeah it's just i can't believe that they were able to to make something so deep on that console when no one else was doing it yeah and i mean in regards to fire emblem i would agree with you in a number of regards but fire emblem is very much also the friendship and anime magic will will save yeah will save us yeah uh, where i think fire or excuse me ogre battle is much more I don't want to say geared in reality, but it's it's far grittier and darker, and it deals with with far darker uh, t- uh, situations. Right. I mean, you like you were just saying though, in regards to the story, you come out 
of the military academy with that youthful optimism yes. and it's quickly kind of ground out from magnus and his party and there's a bunch of different endings to this game depending on your alignment and how you act in war yeah uh how characters and townsfolk react to you depend can change depending on your alignment if you slaughter enemies that are far that are weaker than you you'll become known as like this evil guy which has its benefits because you get to unlock some crazy strong classes and yes. then we get <laughs> then we get into the whole classes and job mechanics and your party makeup it's there's so many layers here yep your factions to... your alignments your the elements like <laughs> there's so much depth yeah there is and this is a good way I like to describe the difference to people between Tactics Ogre and Ogre Battle Games. They all take place in the same universe and share a lot of the same themes and like jobs and stuff. It's Tactics Ogre is like a tactical RPG on a micro level where Ogre Battle is a tactical RPG on a macro level. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I can see that. You go in... Whereas you deal, you give very specific commands to individual characters and tactics ogre in ogre battle, you create the makeup of a unit, like a, a group, and then you give them orders to go here or there or liberate this city or village. And outside of that, your hands are, you're, you're kind of hands off. Yeah. Um, and, one of the things I love about this game, Ogre Battle, is I would almost argue that there's more thought and preparation that goes into these games as opposed to a a, uh, a more micro-tactical RPG like a Tactics Ogre or a Final Fantasy Tactics because depending on what spot in the row, like the grid of the unit makeup, mm-hmm. they'll do different attacks different amount of attacks if you get hit from the side your formation will shift and everything will change so it's like you have to balance okay how do i want to what's the best way to organize this squad and how can i kind of ambush enemy squads for my uh, it's just it's so good and like just talking like going back to the the macro micro like the tactics games, the scales of the battles really just are those individual, like, you know, tactical battles themselves. Like you had mentioned, mm-hmm. in in the Ogre Battle games, you get a grander sense of war because you're you're sending troops to different areas and then you're going into the individual battles. Like it it almost not completely, but it almost had like um like an RTS vibe to it. To where you're you're commanding mm-hmm. Like your reach and your oh, yeah. your command is a lot greater than just that instance battle. Yeah, and it is it is very much real time. Like yeah, once you send a unit to move, other enemies will be moving towards you. So you really will you have to have a zoomed out view and kind of keep track of where all your units are. Yes, you can pause if you need to, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's very it can be very hectic with larger maps keeping track of where enemy movement is and what the health of all your units are and 
It's crazy. I, yeah. It's funny. I guess Nintendo of America just announced on their, uh, their Twitter five more titles coming to the SNES and NES catalog on the 18th. I was like, oh my god, did they just reveal? No. Ogre <laughs> Battle is not coming to the uh, Nintendo Switch Online service. Oh but I was gosh. like, how serendipitous that would have been if it had been added while we were talking about right. it. I would have said we were the reason. Uh, we were Nintendo the cause. Has, Nintendo hacked RPG University. They've sent their spies. And, uh, but no. Alas, maybe next time. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna count out the possibility just yet. It's true. It's true. So, when you were playing, what kind of alignment do you, did you usually go for? Um, I, or I guess I should start. How many times would you say you've beaten this game? I will say that I've only beaten it once. And now I'm like really trying to pull back. Cause I remember getting close to the end, but I don't remember if I actually saw credits or not. It was so emotionally jarring. You've blocked it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, it was at a time where, um, you know, I mentioned that I had that little, like, folded up piece of paper that was in there. Um, and really, mm -hmm. the person was just talking about, like, alignments and um, classes. And, like, that person clearly had done multiple playthroughs. And there were even, like, some saves on the actual cartridge. But, like, I remember adding to that, like, writing on that list myself, mm -hmm. like, closer towards the end of the game. Um, but, yeah, I've only played through it one time. Yeah, I almost want to say I don't think I have ever rolled the credits myself. I've I watched my brother roll. I know, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know if I have ever, from start to finish, rolled the credits. Yeah, on this game yet, and it's not a short game. No, like I remember when playing it, it wasn't the game that I I picked up and I played nonstop until I couldn't play anymore. You know, mm -hmm. like it was one of those that I played for a while, stopped because it was really hard, um, you know, jumped into something else and then would come back. You know, I'd go play Zelda or, or Tony Hawk or whatever mm -hmm. else came out that year and and then come back to it. It's heavy. It's it's a hard game to sit and slog through without a breather. For like a 10, 11, 12 year old, it's also sometimes <laughs> hard to like to follow to understand especially mm -hmm. if you're leaving and coming back to it yeah because they really do tackle some heavy themes so like i you know i feel like if you're if you're an adult listening to this this is perfect for you because i feel like adults are mm -hmm. definitely going to pick up on it no problem um but i don't know what my parents were thinking thinking that i could understand all the themes that were in play <laughs> yeah in this game I certainly didn't. I just thought the characters and the classes, like the sprite work and everything looked really cool. Yeah. Oh, I um, love the campfires and the music. That's, yeah. sorry. That's oh, the music. Two other things that just popped in my head of like, oh, that just struck a memory nerve immediately. Mm -hmm. The music is so good in this game. It's a, a classic, like, fantasy role-playing game soundtrack that you easily, like, if you were playing Dungeons and & Dragons and you just you know, you had music on in the background, this would be the perfect mm -hmm. soundtrack to have on in the background. Yeah. It's, 
I would argue this is one of the top five soundtracks of the entire N64 library, hands down. Oh, yeah. Without thinking about any other games that are on the 64, I would definitely put it up there, too. Especially because when you Uh, think about, like, from the battle music to the loading mm -hmm. music to, like, talking about, like, um, uh, talking about those campfire scenes, the music in those, or just, like, when you're going to the different settlements in the different cities. Mm -hmm. It has such a varied soundtrack, and it, the composers who, I, I do apologize, I cannot, I'll, I'll try and look him up who composed for this, but, uh, here we go. Masaharu Iwata and Hitoshi Sakamoto are listed as the composers, but okay. they so perfectly captured specific emotions in each of the tracks that vary widely. Like you have the very intense, like shit's going down the dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like when people are coming to tell you something's happening to kind of the more jovial. Oh, how's it going when you, visit a town mm-hmm. and they're, you're just hearing news like you're in a bar or something yeah it, um clearly clearly defines the uh the tone they they nailed that yes and like i think it's also like fair to mention that a lot of other games that were coming out i felt like i didn't feel like each soundtrack like each uh you know sound selection that played fit that exact moment that you were in mm-hmm. you know like if, if you're playing super mario 64 like there's like one song that plays the whole time that you're in like the that snow mountain place mm-hmm. like here there are i can't i just forget you just said who who were the composers on this but it's like they were thinking specifically about these individual moments when they were making these tracks mm-hmm um, I love how this game also kind of follows Magnus as he grows. Like, because mm-hmm. there's, I think, like a time skip. I distinctly remember you get your uh, your sprite changes. Yeah, and it might be when you move it's, into the revolutionary armor it, or army, but it's when he hits like I believe it's like general status. Mm-hmm. Like his status changes within the the revolutionary army. Mm-hmm. Um, and he yeah, gets he all a legion leader beefed and buffed out in his mm-hmm. slick silver armor yep and he still's got uh magnus pulled off the blue scarf as a hero long before link and the other breath of the wild champions did it i'm just saying they they pulled their look from magnus <laughs> i don't remember anybody else having i always thought it was a sash like um Mm-hmm. Uh, like he was in a pageant <laughs> i was like yeah he looks uh, so good in this sash and i've never seen anybody else do that that i can think of that it looks he pulls it good. off he pulls it off very very well yes <laughs> oh and it was such a unique art style too because it was they were like smaller 3d rendered characters but as sprites Mm -hmm. so they were rounded and kind of clay like i remember it's a very distinct art style i remember yeah and then when but it also depended on the perspective that you were in Mm -hmm. like if you're in the cutscenes, you could tell that it was very you know that that clay like that you're talking about versus when it was in like the um 
like that top down look whenever you're in the map Mm-hmm. It felt very different to me. Very polygonal. Yeah. I didn't get like that soft clay-like feature like you did in the yeah. cutscenes. And then, of course, yeah. like in the in the conversations, you have just artwork as their faces in the speech bubbles. So you really good artwork. Yes, by, as well. You always got to see great detail as to what these people look like, which I'm so mm-hmm. happy that they went with that because you know, like it it was in a, an era where your character really is just eyes. And that's about mm-hmm. it, like hair and eyes, and there's no real discerning facial features. Yeah. So having those little drawings was really helpful with the imagination. Yeah. Toshiaki Kato was credited as the artist, and another composer was Hayato Matsuo. So. Okay. You all did fantastic. And the writer, Tomokazu Momota, everyone did. Everyone was fantastic on this game. It was fantastic. You're all A plus stars. <laughs> MVPs here at the RPG. MVPs, please come back. I don't know. Yes. You've probably done something else since then. I don't think you've been just completely out of work, but you guys yeah, should reunite. I don't know where they disappeared too. They're probably locked up in Square's basement or something. Yeah. Square's not letting them out. They're like, we're going to keep you on retainer when we really need another ogre game. We really need an ogre game. I'm sounding that alarm. I am sounding that alarm. Where do you think it would go? Not to divert too much from Person of Lordly Caliber, but because I haven't played any ogre battle games since 64. I've only done mm-hmm. the tactics games. Well, I know ogre battle 64 kind of takes place alongside currently chronologically with Let Us Cling Together. That was the the tactical one that was on Super Famicom in Japan, but would later be remade on PSP over here. Okay. Um, I guess in one of the endings, it was teased that the big bad from person or, uh, March of the black queen might be returning. Oh, um, that could be, re- could be, uh, it was hinted at in the epilogue. So maybe something like that. But I mean, the series started at episode five with <laughs> March of the Black Queen. So we have four games. We have everything before the first game that we know nothing about. <laughs> right. That's only been hinted at. We've only really explored two continents or two countries in this world. Yeah. Of Zenobia, I believe it was called. Yeah. Um, and Palantis, I think, is the pronunciation uh, for Lordly Caliber. Yeah. And it's like we have so many things they they could do stuff with, right? And we know like next. Oh. First and foremost, though, they need to do a collection. Like they need to put this back out on people's radar, and then from there, do a like sequels and prequels. But what I'm really surprised by in this age of spiritual successor crowdfunded projects i'm really surprised that we haven't seen an ogre style uh in a similar vein as a iridan chronicles and things right right um what was the um oh wait wait, i think you i think you just mentioned it there was a, a game that was crowdfunded on kickstarter that was like a spiritual successor to another title but i'm 
completely blanking on Ayudin Chronicles was the big one that was the spiritual successor and brought back a lot of the Sweet Coden teams. Yes, that's what it was. That's what I'm That was last of. year. Okay. Um, and then you had Bloodstained with the Castlevania. The Castlevania team, yeah. Crew. Which was not not great, but not bad. I really liked Bloodstained. I, I really enjoyed it. And I like, and I've really enjoyed uh, the free DLC they've released alongside it, even still throughout this year. I liked the first Bloodstained that was just more 2D versus the, mm-hmm. you know, the latter game that had the pseudo 3D, like the 3D digitals or uh, characters on mm-hmm. the 2D plane. The more like old school Castlevania one through three, as opposed to the Symphony of the Night. Yes, yes, because it didn't feel as smooth as Symphony of the Night. Mm. But, oh. but it's also been a while since I played Symphony of the Night, so I could <laughs> just be looking through rose tinted glasses as I do yeah. with most old games, which I think is an item in Symphony of the Night. But we digress. Yeah, <laughs> we just. I guess there were six different endings for this game. Yeah, and I uh. don't. I don't remember exactly how you get to to each separate ending, but it's one of those Mm -hmm. things like Mass Effect where every single decision that you're making will, it it puts you in a category to one of the the six endings. Mm -hmm. So you really have to pay attention to, and that's another reason why I'm like, you need to have a guide. Like you need to be taking notes because you, you want to pay attention to the decisions that you're making you know, when you go off of the ending that you get. Yeah. But. Oh, man. So now, good. what uh, class did you pick? Because I know I went with Dragoon. Um, I really like the sword masters. Uh, okay. The kind of Bushido samurai looking guys. Yeah. I really like them because if you put them in the back row, they could do kind of like a sonic slice, which was a long range kind of sword attack, which I thought looked really cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I really liked them. I loved the dragons. I loved kind of some of the monster qu- uh, monster classes. Mm-hmm. I thought those were really really cool. And there are just um, so many. Oh yeah, like, there are so many classes. Like I always thought Beast Tamer is really cool. Hawkman. Mm-hmm. Oh, Valkyrie. The Divine Knights, the Valkyries. Yes. You have your Amazons and Archers, your Mages. They had Zombies, it, Hydras. Yeah. Pumpkin Heads. Remember those? It's just a dude, like a crazy oh, dude yes. with a with a pumpkin on its head or Quetzalcoatl. What was cool is like it almost had a Pokemon-like system where you could raise a dragon and it would evolve as it got hit levels and... At the end of each tree, there was like a red dragon, platinum dragon, blue dragon, various others. Each was like more specialized in an element. Yeah. And at the end of the route is like a special dragon. Like um, Quetzalcoatl was one. I think that was for the the thunder one. Okay. Tiamat, Bahamut. Yes. uh, Flare Brass. And all those had very unique sprites to them. And it, oh, so good. And I think my favorite one would probably have to be the platinum dragon because that was the uh the the silver ice one mm-hmm. it was very very good that's the but. time where i thought and i you know what not even just that time i still think it's cool when dragons like they blow out anything that's not just fire mm-hmm. like having a dragon that's For an sure. ice dragon that's so freaking cool 
And I was just like mm-hmm. blown away at the time. Yeah. It uh definitely added variety to that and which was really the name of the game. It gave players so many it was it's great for replaying because like you said, your choices matter and you can get wildly vi- different endings mm-hmm. and really build and try new things each time you play, which is I think a hallmark of a fantastic RPG. Absolutely. It's almost like you're playing a completely different game every time you go through it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kinda kinda nutty. We aren't the only ones that absolutely love this game. There's actually a hell of a lot of you out there, judging by the number of responses I got for our usual Around the Web segment. So here we go. Starting off, we have the user Waterhaven from Reddit. They say, Not an exact moment, but just building up my army of units, deciding what kind of unit I want, advancing their classes, getting my first full flying unit, that kind of stuff was so much fun. It really felt like you were the commander of an army. A couple moments. I didn't have internet at the time, so there were tons of trying different routes to see what would happen. And then, since I didn't understand the liberate capture mechanic as a kid, I beat the game and got an absolutely dreadful ending, which I at least found humorous. The first time I played, the first time I played when a friend was around, they were flabbergasted that I didn't control the units in battle. They complained a bit and such, but then they started getting into it and stayed up all night playing after I went to sleep. That struck a chord. Yeah, dude. That feeling, like, when they said getting a, a, a full flying unit. Yeah. I remember yeah. moments like that. Isn't this... Things like this are one of the things that blows me away about... That I've been blown away the most by with this podcast it's how vivid some memories are in that we hold dear for these games like like you just mentioned it struck a chord and like you remember that same kind of feeling that Waterhaven had what's what's interesting is you know I don't remember the fine details of you know characters and story as much but I like I remember staying up late on like a Friday night we got pizza hut i wanted stuffed crust but my mom was all about thin crust at the time so we had like two thin crust pizzas from pizza hut we had breadsticks i had this what's weird is i'm like i had this uh chocolate chapstick that i was obsessed with (laughs) that i just remember i would i would lick it off my lips as much as i as you know as fast as i would put it on but like those are the kinds of memories that are like flooding my brain reading like some of these yeah it's wild isn't it yes you probably haven't thought of that in 10 years i i feel like i haven't even thought about it since it actually happened (laughs) i feel like i'm in therapy you guys are digging up memories i didn't know i had yeah rpg you will do that to you uh this is user the newfoundland yeti from reddit One of the biggest ones for me was finally getting all the Zenobians as a kid. Probably 11, maybe 12, and not quite enough internet to be able to search how you do it, but I knew you needed your chaos frame in a certain place. I was so stoked. I instantly threw them all together in a unit. 
Another for me was getting Karth. Oh, Karth. <laughs> In my youth, I had uh, I had playthrough without a single Valiant Mantle. So getting Karth as a Black Knight was so cool. Now my most recent playthrough, I had Karth plus three BK and a Siren. Freaking Karth. Yep. I forgot about Karth. What a baller. Yes. Oh my gosh, his armor was so cool. He had like the I know, the right? horns in the front and a cape. Oh my gosh, I want to cosplay as Karth. Do it. Do it. I'm telling you, these next time we hang out or something at the next uh PAX whenever that happens or the next convention will Dude, no. Next Halloween, what we should do is we'll dress up as an like ogre battle characters, and we'll do like a dual stream where we play ogre battles. Yes! Oh my gosh! I'm gonna have Market. to have my wife make my my Karth armor because I want it to yeah. be perfect. You heard it here first, folks, listeners. Look forward to it. Halloween 2021. Borderline Entertainment, Cross <laughs> RPG University, Ogre Battle, 64 Extravaganza. I'll spray paint my hair blonde. Hell yes. So good. Next up, we have user Majesty14 from Reddit. In 2005, I met a girl in the live journal Ogre Battle community who was as obsessed with Ogre Battle 64 as I was. Long story short... We celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary this year. What? Long live Ogre Battle. That's amazing. I know. I, I saw that one and it's like, oh, I love little, little fun stories like this that show that video games are can do good stuff Bringing too. people together. And shout out to LiveJournal. Yeah, shout out to LiveJournal. I don't even know what that is, but now I want to see it. It was... Oh, I... I recent, I want to say earlier this year, I stumbled upon my live journal. It's basically a, uh, uh, an internet blog kind of thing before blogs were a big thing. Oh, okay. Where you could post all of your angsty <laughs> teen thoughts. It's probably a good thing I didn't have live journal back then. <laughs> <laughs> I think it predated. No, it was kind of, it was like in this weird. Sp- between MySpace and Facebook. It was pre-Facebook. Okay. But yeah. So, but congratulations on your decade anniversary, Majesty 14, you and your wife. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. And I hope you're still playing some Ogre Battle from time to time. You want up next? Yes. (laughs) I was like, ooh, I can't wait for another one. Okay, so this is user aspiring old guy from reddit getting the bad ending was so shocking it was my first ogre and how you fight characters with whom matters but it was oddly satisfying making teams was fun i loved in the game oh i loved the in-game art the dragons and other monsters growing up and involving made progression natural and adorable i love those dragons and the sphinxes what a weird enemy to have in a game. Oh my gosh, I forgot yeah. that it had sphinxes. What are those what are those monster classes you really don't see much representation in? No. Of I don't yeah. feel like I've ever seen a sphinx in another game like except from uh Assassin's Creed. 
Mm-hmm. But that's because you're in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fantasy sphinx. Yeah, never seen a sphinx like, in any other game. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, it's like this purple-haired woman on all fours with her back half being the, the griffin part, and she has, like, giant elf ears. Oh, that was a sphinx? I remember. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. I'm I'm currently on uh, Ogre Battle Saga Wiki. Okay. Uh, looking up these character sprites because, to, to refresh my memory, but yes, they are very, very good. Uh, next up, we have user Decent Descent from Reddit. Just having a whole, just having a whole army that you can build and customize was awesome. You had so many possibilities, and you really ended up developing an attachment to your squads, which meant when someone you absolutely loved got ambushed or destroyed, it was devastating. May have shut off my N64 when my party led by that got annihilated. Ha 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 ha. Also, I thought it was very well fleshed out. Our story. Also, I thought it was a very well fleshed out story and really hadn't played a game like that before. Would gladly take that journey again. Yeah, that was... Yeah. We didn't touch on this, but if your characters get killed in combat and you weren't able to revive them before you finish the mission, they would turn into zombies. Yes. It was like... And I think that also applied to, like, kind of important characters, too. Yeah, it was a weird version of permit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, it sucked when you... One of your characters that you had invested so much time into died. Yeah. I don't remember an exact moment, but I remember having that same type of moment where I was so frustrated about something that happened in that game that I just shut mm-hmm. my 64 off. Yeah. I'm like, I'll start over. I don't know when the any last save was, but I'm not letting that be my reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Want to take the next one? Yes. All right. This is user Nikova's Normandy from Reddit. I'm, I apologize if I say that incorrectly. Uh, this was one of my favorites growing up. I remember being surprised at like nine years old because it seemed like Magnus and Yumil were written as star-crossed lovers, and I was confused for a bit because they were both guys. I then came to the conclusion that Yumil either liked both or was just desperate for any sort of affection. But that was good to see for for girls uh, are super pretty and cool. But boys make my heart go better patter kid me. In general, I just loved Emil. He was sad. His music, his potential fates, his quasi-romance with Magnus. He was just a really well-written, tragic character. It's really the story which stuck with me. The complicated ideas. I still remember from the idealist, the gray morality of a tale of revolution, pretty much everything regarding Bisk and, and Kizith. I played the game a bunch and <clears throat> was sad. There wasn't more of a fandom right there with you. I think experiencing this kind of story so young really helped shape my adult tastes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, I'm right there with you. It gave me an affinity for, for deep RPGs. Mm-hmm. And especially ones that, um, games that weren't like, uh, what's the game I'm looking for? Like, it wasn't like super popular. You know, like, yeah. I, I wanted Final Fantasy, but I got Ogre Battle. It was a pleasant surprise. And 
ever since that time, like I've, I like pleasant surprises in games. Mm-hmm. I agree. I this is one of those games, especially later when I went back and played it, like and really dived into it or dove into it. It makes me appreciate games that, like RPGs, especially that don't shy away from gritty topics mm-hmm. and kind of embrace these difficult, uncomfortable issues. Yeah, in a way it's coupled with really good writing and characters and development and this kind of there is no clear black and white like you are the good guy who's always good and you're like the paladin trope like you're the hero of everything because you're just the best awesome person ever like like uh Nico Vos Normandy, they mention it's like there is a gray morality to this tale. Yeah. It's it's war. There is bad people and you can have the best willed intentions and still things turn out horribly wrong or people still get hurt. And I love that the writers here really uh, accepted that and, and ran with it. My goodness, they were really doing something different. Yeah. Like, I I can't stop uh, pulling away from that thought of there was nothing else like this at the time that I remember. Mm-hmm. Everything else was just, you know, uh, as much as I love Legend of Zelda and Mario and um, just thinking of the 64 in particular, everything was just bright and colorful. Um, you know, even... I'm not a huge fan, but even, like, Majora's Mask is still... it Obviously, it has its dark tones because it's a doomsday tale, but, like... It's still bright yeah. and colorful, but it didn't tackle subjects like like uh, Persons of Lord Caliber did at all. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, even games like looking that came out also this year, your Final Fantasy IX, it was, it was go team, we'll get through it because mm-hmm. we're, we have each other, and that's just how it goes. Yeah. We can do no wrong. Uh, whereas this was very much not that, and... I, and I think that's why games like this, like Tactics Ogre, like Final Fantasy Tactics, like Final Fantasy Twelve, resonate so much stronger with me than those other games. Even though I love all those other RPGs that are very, yay, friendship and magic will save the world, mm-hmm. I love these kind of more thought-provoking yeah. games with that morally gray area. Those are the ones that I feel like sit with me along. Mm-hmm completely agree completely agree thank you to everyone honestly that has sent in your favorite memories and moments from this fantastic game i got probably over a hundred submissions and i'm sorry i couldn't share all of them on the episode but as always in the show's description i will provide links to the subreddits where you can all share your own memories, and I would love to read them. I've read all the ones that have been posted, and I can't wait to hear your take on this fantastic game. Now let's say, after listening about Asa and I and everyone else gush 
about this wonderful game, you're wondering, well, crap, I have to play it now. Well, we are here to help you a bit with that as well. If you're looking to get a physical cart of this game, it's pricey. I would not advise it, but if you are a collector, loose cart by itself, you're looking at 70 plus dollars just for the cart itself. If you're going for a complete in box, you're looking at almost double or a little over double that at about 160. And if for some crazy way you're able to find a new, brand new sealed version of this, you're looking at probably around 240 250 for Ogre Battle. But at least at the time of recording, I can't be sure how much longer this will be the case. Or perhaps even in the country you're at right now, it might not be up anymore. But the Wii U eShop has a digital version available for download and purchase for only 10 bucks. This game is so worth 10 bucks. There are few things that are more worth 10 bucks. Like this is a great deal. Definitely. Definitely do that. But yes, grab that if you still have a Wii U. And then spam Square Enix's Twitter or their subreddits. And be like, we want an Ogre Battle collection. Or at least these games digitally in some fashion. Just make it happen, please. Square. I'll play yes. it on anything at this point. But please. Just bring it bring it out other places. In addition to the eShop. Yeah. Anything to stop me from bringing out another old console and plugging it, plugging it in. True. True. That's very not conducive to playing on current day TVs. <laughs> no. It gets all stretched and it looks terrible. Yeah. It's not a fun experience. It's not the way you want us to experience Ogre Battle Square. No. And I don't have a CRT a... anymore. So. Yeah. Come on. How long do you think it'll be before some like retro or crowdfunded developer creates a CRTV that you can buy new? I mean, I feel I like, feel like it's, it's it's bound bound to happen. I think it's uh, I think it's already happened. Um, it's not very big, but I know there's a local shop uh, here in my area that sells CRTs, and he gets new ones like. I can't remember. It's been a while, obviously, because it's 2020 Damn. and COVID that I have I haven't been in. But I, mm -hmm. I remember when I was in in 2019, he was like, "Yeah, I, I regularly get them from this company that's still making CRTs." Wow. So crazy. Yeah, they're definitely out there. And if you can get into like looking at these prices, um, it's very difficult right now, obviously with mm -hmm. you know social distancing and and just covid in general so um once that stuff clears up just rummage your your secondhand shops those mom and pop shops they need to be supported anyways but you might be able to, to score a, a cheaper deal good idea good advice and speaking of other advice let's say you hypothetically have picked yourself up a copy of ogre battle 64 persons of lordly caliber and we know it's quite an imposing game, so Asa and I are here to provide new players with some tips and advice. So Asa, how about you start us off? What tips or advice would you give to brand new players? Yes, for brand new players, definitely. I've said it multiple times, but make sure that you are using a guide or you take notes. There are so many moving pieces and parts in this game, and obviously it's got six different endings, so your choices matter. 
Um, make sure when you're getting into those big moments and it's hard to just, you know, paint a, a broad brush and say big moments because I think all moments are important in this game, but, you know, make note of, of what you're, the choices that you're making, because this is a game that you're going to want to go back and play multiple times, especially to get those different endings. So you don't, you're not just stuck with a bad ending and, <laughs> and that's all you get. Um, and, and don't rush. I know I just put like, don't rush, you know, mm-hmm. picking your stats, like at the beginning and, um, you know, your, your alignment and everything like that. But um, take your time with this one. I know we're in a day and age yeah. where speed runs is a thing and we just don't have as much time to play games, but this is one that just take your time and play it and enjoy it for everything that it is. But, uh, yes, a guide, a wiki, notes, talk to people, get into these Reddit groups and mm-hmm. and, and chat with people. Um yeah, I think you're just you're gonna have a really you'll have a, a better experience if you do that now. Agreed. And I'm going to really mirror and echo exactly what Asa said. There is a lot of hidden items in this game, a lot of hidden characters and classes and very specific requirements to unlock characters uh like Karth we previously talked about. So use a guide. There are so many great resources, whether it is on Reddit, whether it's on GameFAQs. There's a lot available to you, so don't be afraid to to use them. Um, there's spoiler-free guides if you want, it, or if you really want to go in blind, go ahead. But in subsequent playthroughs, use a guide, and you'll really see just how much you uh, you missed out on. We are on to my favorite part of each episode. It's the monster or enemy of the week. Asa, what enemy have you brought this week to throw into the arena? So I was leaning more of the monster, and I just picked the platinum dragon. I know I, I gushed about it earlier, but that the platinum dragon meant so much to me as a as a person who loved dragons at, at the time and someone who, you know, I went with a, a dragoon um, because it just shot ice. And I thought that that was the coolest freaking thing ever. Um, and the design, like, yes, the the 3D, like, clayish design is neat, but the sprite work, oh, my word, the sprite work, the, it looks mm-hmm. so good. Um, it is very menacing. Yes, yes. But yeah, the, the Platinum Dragon is my favorite monster in the game. Um, there are a few others. I, <laughs> I kind of want to move the Sphinx up there now that we've talked about it so much. <laughs> but there are literally so many uh, to, to think about, and they're from you know different uh, mythos. Like, I remember there being... There is a Cerberus in the game, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I Pretty couldn't remember sure. if it was a two- or three-headed dog, but I thought it was specifically a Cerberus, like... That was another memorable moment, finding that monster. Um, but nothing tops the Platinum Dragon. Mm-hmm. Platinum Dragon Persons of Lordly Caliber, its requirement is to get one, is you have to have a young dragon with an alignment of 65 and 100, vitality of 114, intelligence of 73, and mental stat of 101. Its class type is a mature dragon with a large size, and it can't be a leader. It can carry four items, though, and it moves really well in the snow. 
When it levels up, it will gain six health, po six hit points per level, five strength, six vitality, four intelligence, four mentality, three agility, four dexterity. If you put it in the front row, it will attack with its bite twice. It's a physical attack. If you put it in the middle, it will only bite once. And if you put it in the back, it will attack with sacred breath, which spits a bolt of holy power at a group of enemies one time. That is the Platinum Dragon. Well, Asa, thank you so much, so, so, so much for joining me here at RPG University today. This has been a lot of fun. Yes, thank you. Dude, thank you so much for having me. This is, it's brought up memories that I didn't know that I had. It's made me super nostalgic, and I honestly cannot wait to dive back into this game. Yeah, uh, I'm very much looking forward to uh, resuming and playing this as, again as well. And maybe we'll do a, a follow-up cast. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? But where can people find you online? What do you have cooking? This is your soapbox. Plug away. Oh, yeah. Um, so we've got a handful of things that are out right now. There's reviews constantly. If, if you go to uh, borderlineentertainment.com, um, more uh, specifically there, I just wrote a review for um, Immortals Phoenix Rising. Um, and... Uh, there's going to be a video version of that, which is our, it's a very like quick wrap up. So like, if you want the full review, there's that. And then we're going to be recording a review discussion with it. Um, and we also just recorded a review discussion for um, Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. Um, had a, a ton of fun. So that's going to be out this week. And our uh, flagship show, Game Chat, the video game variety show, uh, which airs live on Twitch, is migrating over to YouTube. So if you missed it when it was live, you'll get a chance to um, watch those episodes as they come out there. But um, a lot of stuff in the oven now that's that's going to start coming out and being ready in 2021. Very cool. Well, give be sure to give Ace. Uh, and where can people find you specifically on on online? Yeah, so you can find me personally at a Green River Zero Seven on Twitter. Um, and then you can find Borderline Entertainment on all social media platforms. Um, and then, of course, YouTube.com slash Borderline Entertainment and Twitch.tv slash Borderline Entertainment as well. Awesome. Be sure to give Asa and those fine, fine folks over at Borderline Entertainment a follow and a listen. They do fantastic, fantastic oh, content. <laughs> oh, it's true. Thank you. It's true. By Magnus Gallant's life. It's oh, true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no you your stuff is fantastic asa and everything you've done lately and the panels and everything you've done it's it's been an absolute pleasure these last few months kind of getting to know you and uh, uh i i happily call you my friend oh, sir yes you are true truly one of the greats here on uh in the in the up-and-coming gaming landscape gosh darn it scott so. how dare you making me feel emotional <laughs> thank you dude i know of course, of course. But for everyone who is still listening, thank you to thank you to those of you who have continued to listen to the end. You've helped return light to the crystals and unlocked a new job class. Be sure to rate and review us on each of your preferred podcast services, as each one you leave will help cause a leaf on the mana tree to bloom and helping restore balance to save the world. Plus, I would just really appreciate it. <laughs> if you have an RPG you would like us to talk about, 
Tweet at IrrationalPod with the hashtag RPGEU with what you would like us to talk about and if you would like to be a guest on RPG University. And until next time, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Class dismissed.